That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Well, here we are. We are at the end of the season of Pentecost, if you can stand it, ordinary time, and uh, this is also uh, Thanksgiving Sunday. Um, uh, affectionately known as Low Sunday in the Fall. So anyway, but uh, um, but uh, here we are. We're going to celebrate Christ the King, and uh, which is an important day. It's a relatively new liturgical year uh, or day in the year. But uh, um, but before we do that, Aaron, how are you doing? Uh, thank you for asking, Jake. Uh, I have had a day that is just like I'm going a million miles an hour. Like uh, taught a class on First Samuel this morning, then went to a board meeting, and then went to another meeting. It's just you know, actually, this is the first time all day I've sat down. So I'm feeling, you know, uh, more than I can say grace over, as they say, which I think is probably true for a lot of people this time of year in general, whether you're in ministry or otherwise. Uh, we're now like deep into the holiday crush where we've got uh, whatever you're doing this week, it is in some way related to Thanksgiving, mentally or um, actually. Like you're buying things, preparing things, getting a house ready, or um, just dreading seeing something or doing something or excited about it. But it, it's it's always, you know, I like Thanksgiving, but it's a, it's a lot. So uh, just as I as we're recording several weeks ahead of that, but I am putting myself mentally in that spot and just uh, thinking about how when people are listening to this, you will likely have some things going on. So hopefully yeah. Christ the King comes at just the right time to, to talk through that. How about you, Jacob? Nope, same as you. Just a busy time of the year, you know, I uh, just run around and uh, got a Bible study tonight on the book of Hebrews. It's the last one. And so... Um, uh, making our way through that and uh, uh, just getting ready for the holidays. We're also, you know, we're recording this early November, so I'm on the cusp of uh, the Living Church Preaching Conference, which um, is taking shape nicely. So uh, we'll see how it all comes together. So Cusp. The cusp. So exciting. So not to all be right. confused with the crisp. <laughs> so <laughs> Or the cuff, cuff link. Yeah, all right, cuff. So, so anyway, but we are celebrating Christ yeah, the tell King. Tell us what we're reading. Tell us about Christ the King. Jump in. Well, uh, we are reading today. We're reading Ezekiel 34. Boy, this is the one day where tracks one and two come together. So all you people who've been struggling through track one, welcome. So anyway. Without uh, any but, help from us. Although the Psalms are different. So, but we know you don't preach on that anyways. Yeah, who reads the Psalms anyway? But anyway, um, uh, Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 11 through 16, 20 to 24. Then we have Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23. And then Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 to 46. <clears throat> I just had this panic attack. Like there's somebody listening that's like a commentary writer on the Psalms. And they're like, how dare they? And I, and I just want to affirm, we're just kidding. Yeah, totally. Psalms are the most quoted book in the New of the Old Testament in the New Testament. We love the Psalms. 
Jesus's prayer book slash hymnal. So, anyways, Beautiful. we're just we're just joshing. We're just making fun of the general attitude out there. So, if you are preaching the psalms, we do we do God the psalms that are ten a.m. So, anyway, praise God. Yeah. So, yeah, look at that. All right. Well, so don't we judge go. us. So, if you have questions, email Jake. All right. Yeah. Let's so, jump well, in. Why, why, well, why are we why are we even thinking about Christ as the King? You know, so, and a lot of people want to talk about him as like you know servant of all, and uh, you know, yeah. and Christ the kin. And yeah. so, <laughs> yeah. why do we think uh, about Christ the King, and where does it come from? Let's wade into this. I'm glad you asked, Jacob. So after World War One, and the nations of Europe had sort of destroyed each other, and it was just a huge mess. I mean, a huge the whole generations died, and uh, the Pope said we should have a special day in the liturgical year to remind us that it's not earthly leaders and rulers and governments that demand our ultimate allegiance and give us our hope, but it is Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Prince of Peace. And so added this day is the final uh, day until we begin the new church year, which happens on Advent 1. So this is always the last Sunday, um, kind of usually around Thanksgiving. It's the last Sunday of the church year. And it's a day to, to remember, you know, exactly what I said, that political systems, earthly rulers, all of that will crumble and fall. Just like if you read through the Bible, you've uh, you've seen the Egyptians rise and fall, the Assyrians rise and fall, the Babylonians rise and fall, the nation of Israel rise and fall. And of course, um, we see all kinds of conflict in our own day. Um, a year from when you're listening to this episode, I don't want to give anybody heartburn, grab your Pepto-Bismol, but a year from now, we will know who probably, maybe, has won the 2024 presidential election in the United States. So, um, you know, it's not to say that none of that stuff matters, uh, but it is to say that Jesus Christ is our true king and his rule, his way of um, being in charge is totally different from the, the world's system. And that has really significant meaning for Christians um, uh, because our allegiance is not here. We are not people that necessarily um, want a Christian country or anything like that because we know that ultimately our citizens, I mean, it's great if you have a truly Christian country, um, put the New Testament into practice and tell me how it goes and I'll check in with you uh, 12 months later. But... Um, the uh, the the real thing is that ultimately our citizenship is in heaven and we are members of the body of Christ. So that's that's the thing. Um, there is some controversy, as Jake alluded to, about just language around kingship in general. A lot of some people don't like just because the kings, you know, kings in history have been bad. Just I mean, sort of every human has been bad. So there's probably not a single title of a kind of leader in history that has not done some difficult stuff. Kings, queens. Uh, uh, right on down the list. So uh, people want to change the word sometimes, but it is Christ the King, and traditionally that's the name of the Sunday, and that's what it is and what's it about. Anything I left out, Jake, or you would like no, to correct you, or amend? No, I you covered it all. So, but I would say um, in your preaching, like mention it, but you know, I would be careful about making it a like that be the main. Like there are still people in your congregation that are having major family trauma because they, or <laughs> you know, they just you know, suffered through Thanksgiving or whatever it is, or anxious about the end of the year. So if they come to your church and the only thing you say is earthly rulers don't matter, amen, um, you maybe haven't addressed the existential and pastoral need in the pews. And you can well, you can touch on one and, and, and connect yeah. them. I mean, they are related. So um, anyways. Well, it's, it's all related in the sense that um, I think it's, there is a pastoral connection to having like a king, you know what I mean? And uh 
and um and that but this isn't like he's not an earthly king like um like every other one you know there's a reason why god warned the people of israel if you remember back in the book of samuel about having a king he's like these people are just going to take advantage of you and indeed uh, earthly rulers as world war one world war two and as we're seeing in our current crisis right now demonstrate um they don't have our best interest in mind nine times out of ten and uh not to be a super conspiracy theorist but um um, and I'm so not getting one. into it, but what I am saying is, is that the point is, is that Christ the King, it's good news because you have a king who's not only uh, the ruler of the universe, but he's a good shepherd as the prophet Ezekiel will see. And, uh, and uh, he loves you and he knows you. And um, no matter uh, how bleak it is, he is in total control of all things. Everything by virtue of his resurrection is subject to Jesus. And so um, that's the hope that we cling to, and that's the promise that we're called to preach. It's not just, hey, Christ is the king, yay. It's uh, this king knows you, and he loves you, and uh, all authority under heaven and on earth, even though it may not seem like it has been given to him. Yeah, and I think that given word is really huge, and just to continue this a little bit more, when Pope Pius XI instituted their called for the creation of Christ the King Sunday, um, one of the, his main points was that... Um, Christ's power as our king was not something he took by violence or force, but it was something that was given to him by God the Father. And this, um, the way of Jesus is a way of peace, not a way of violence. And I think that is an important word. And there, there's, there's a political statement in there as well. Um, there's a philosophical statement in there, but there's, for the people in, in the pews or the stacking chairs, the... Um, the approach that many of us are taught about life is that it is something that we have to go out there and hustle and kind of make happen and grind and just take it by force, you know, carpe diem, seize the day. But Jesus Christ is someone who says that our position needs to be one who receives life as a gift. And I think a lot of times our stress comes from, we feel like we need to make everything happen. And that ultimately is deeply frustrating because we can't. And yeah. so Christ King Sunday is an invitation to see life as a gift that is received, not as a prize that is taken or seized by force. And so right, violence right. Uh, begets violence. It never actually really solves uh, the, the ultimate problem of the human heart. Just, and I mean, the ultimate problem of the human heart is so there, so much so that in 1925 or whatever, when they created Christ the King Sunday, uh, <laughs> that was after World War I, and they said, like, let's do this liturgical day and we'll remind people about peace and Jesus. And then you have World War II. So, yeah. You know, it's kind of a low anthropology uh, data point there. <laughs> That's good. Well, I mean, how is it that um, our king, as a good shepherd, um, where does the gospel come into that play here from our Ezekiel reading, Aaron? Yeah, so these are many of the images that Jesus would use in his own ministry, and the New Testament will talk about Jesus as the good shepherd. And this is um, Yahweh talking about being a shepherd of the sheep and his people having been scattered. And he says, I'm going to bring them home. And all this beautiful language, the kind of pastoral imagery of gathering them into beautiful land and pasture land, and it's just going to be great. And um, uh, this language, it's very Jesus-like. I will seek the lost and bring back the strayed, bind up the injured. I mean, that's kind of uh, Jesus' um, uh, mission statement right there. Mm -hmm. And so there's something beautiful. Like the king is not one who comes to destroy or whatever, the king comes to gather you and hold you and, and restore you strength in the weak. He has this thing in there, the fat and the strong I will destroy. This is using metaphorical language about 
you know, they're skinny sheep and fat sheep, basically like sheep that have been weak and wandering in the desert without enough grazing land, really struggling. And then there's these sheep that have been, you know, living in some sort of beautiful pasture. And, they, and they've been cruel. They've been the people in power, basically, the sheep here, um, the well-fed, the privileged, et cetera, have taken advantage of, the, of these other sheep. And, and that's not what the kingdom of God looks like. And so he says, basically, I'm going to make things right again. And the, um, the, the ones who have pushed with flank and shoulder, basically the ones that have stepped on the poor and the outcast and whatever, um, I'm going to, like, that's, I'm, I'm going to uh, bring justice to them and to the, the flock that has been trampled on, stepped on, pushed out. I'll bring them back. And this beautiful language at the end, one shepherd, um, and this language about David. And um, thank God it is not a political David. It was often thought it was a political David, like somebody of the heir of David's throne. But as, if you've read First and Second Samuel, you know that David was a mixed bag and uh, as all human rulers are. And again, so this is pointing to the son of David, as we know, revealed in Jesus Christ. And so mm. again, it, it kind of all comes back to him. That's, that's what right. that's about. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this is actually the found, one of the foundations of, uh, you know, Jesus's teaching of himself and finds its fulfillment in Jesus, where he talks about in John 10 verses 11 through 18, that he is the good shepherd. And, uh, uh, and, uh, and by extension, especially as the preacher, you uh, were called to feed the lambs and tend to his sheep as well. And, uh, and that becomes the good news. And we do that by uh, shepherding them, not with the hard word of the law, but uh, with the good news of the gospel. And that good news of the gospel, as we said earlier, um, that um, we have a king uh, who um, doesn't put his uh, foot on, uh, on the weak and upon his subjects, but uh, instead goes after the lost, the strayed, the injured, and the weak. He's the one, he's the king of those who are powerless and who've suffered at the hands of those who are powerful. And so uh, this is, uh, and he does it all by uh, dying and rising for us. And so that's, I think, ultimately where it finds its fulfillment in Ezekiel. Yeah, and this is so much stuff here. You can, t I mean, most of your folks um, will, will it be in this place post-Thanksgiving where they maybe they had, um, could, you know, they feel they feel like fat sheep. Uh, they feel like they've had some, uh, you know, um, good grazing land, as this as this talks about, but still sort of unsatisfied in a sense. And so, um, you know, talking about how God the King looks at them and wants to bind up the injured, and um, you you can be you can be like these fat sheep and have everything going well for you, but still sort of be empty inside. And so, I think there's there's something here where. Um, God's favor is, you know, if you feel like you're kind of weak inside, there's some favor there for you there uh, from from God. So a very mm. pastoral passage in both both uh, meanings of that word. So Ephesians 1, 15 through 23, Paul hears about the faith of these people in Ephesus, this uh, city in, in Turkey, um, then known as Asia Minor. And uh, Paul is... Uh, um, talking about the power that's in Christ and really it is connected to the resurrection. You know, God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. So again, this goes back to what you were saying, Jake, like, you know, Jesus above all and 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 um, and this great cosmic vision of Jesus, all things under his feet, etc. Um, and we're part of that. So it's this great 
enormous mind expanding view of Christ. Um, is, this is not your buddy Christ. This is, this is something much bigger. So how would you try to connect this to people where they live, Jake? Well, this is one of those great kind of texts, I think, you know, that uh, you can preach exegetically a little bit, and it's very good. So if the first thing is, is that I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love towards all the saints. Uh, really right here, this is, um, uh, you know, uh, faith, according to Paul, we see what it is. Uh, faith is what connects us to Jesus, and therefore being connected to Jesus connects us to each other. And so, um, and uh, as a result of being connected to Jesus and then the good works and being connected to each other, the things that follow, uh, Paul uh, says that this is why he, he, he always gives thanks and he remembers them in their prayers. But, um, uh, you know, this, this is the, the thing that um, I think that uh, what happens when Jesus, when we begin to read, when we are given the gift of faith to believe that Jesus is the king, of the universe and is for us, we begin to see that, um, well, with the eyes of our hearts enlightened, uh, we begin to know a lot of things about what this King has done for us, and that is the hope that he's called us to, uh, the riches of the glorious inheritance among the saints, which is uh, the inheritance is all of God's grace, all of his mercy, and all of his love for you, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us to believe, which is literally the resurrection of the dead. And so, and how is that possible? Well, because this, the power of this king is now uh, in us as well, and, uh, and he uh, rules for you, and, uh, and uh, that is the good news, I think, of Christ the King. So, this is one of those passages that you can parse out, and the good news and the meaning of faith just comes crystal clear. Yeah, and there's there's also a part of this too where it's a fair question to ask, like, okay, if Jesus is really in charge and above all things, like he says here, like, why are things so kind of rough down here on earth? I mean, just look in your own family and look out your window and look on your TV or your phone, and you, obviously there's so many awful things going on in the world today. And it is scary, but I think this is a reminder that um, even as Jesus said on his own time on earth, like, you know, there were lots of awful things happening in his day, terrible, and he was in the midst of his people. So I think it's, it's uh, you know, there's the, there's kind of the long game going on here. Um, and it has always been true that there is, um, uh, there is darkness and war and difficulty and famine and, and all that. I think, I think this is a statement about um, God's heart of love, ultimately to bring all things, to restore all things. And it's working, it's being worked out over the course of time. So I think, I think sometimes naming that can be good too for your congregation. Um, and Jesus, of course, lives out in his own life, the theology of the cross, not of glory, like it is in his dying that he rises and it's in in um, his weakness that we see God's strength. And so so um, it's, a, it's a different way of looking at things and mm. that can be helpful to people. So we turn now to the gospel, Matthew 25, the son of man, Jesus's favorite title for himself, talking about when he comes in glory with all the angels sitting on a throne. So again, a lot of a lot of king language, but then we get this uh, this song by Cake, um, Cake, the <laughs> California kind of yeah. uh, punk rock with a lot of brass um, and spoken word lyrics band. They have a song, um, the sheep go to heaven and the goats go to hell. Uh, and it is sort of based on the imagery here in this passage where there are these two kinds of people. There's, God is... Jesus is judging everybody at the end of all things, and he separates the sheep from the goats, and the sheep are the good guys, the goats are the bad guys, the sheep come into heaven, the goats go to hell, uh, and, um, 
and they say like, why, what, what's the deal? And he talks about the sheep are the people who gave food to the, gave food to Jesus, gave uh, water to Jesus when he was thirsty, welcomed Jesus when he was a stranger, clothed Jesus when he was naked, uh, took care of Jesus when he was sick. And so, um, and then of course the goats didn't do that. Uh, and, um, and they depart. So kind of a bummer, right? Mm-hmm. Judgy McJudge Jesus. Um, how do you, um, what do you do, Jake? Uh, this is, um, this is such, um, a very, very, uh, difficult passage to preach and you have to be very, very, you have to read this text very closely. So first of all, so here it is, Jesus is speaking about the end of the t- day and uh, and the judgment and him separating the sheep from the goats. And, you know, everybody, even today, you and I know that sheep tails go down and goat's tails go up. Sheeps have 54 chromosomes. Goats have 60 chromosomes. Sheep go bah. Goats go meh. But to yeah. quote you on another song, what does the fox say? <laughs> um, the point, the point, though, is an uh, important point here is that the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. This, first of all, is a kingdom received, not as wages. It's not a kingdom that's given for a job well done. Boy, I sure did a great job as a sheep, but as an inheritance. And you don't earn an inheritance. It's given to you by someone who dies. And so that's the first of, the first counterintuitive aspect and offensive part of this parable is that God's judgment is made not on the basis of what you did or didn't do, but rather the kingdom is inherited. It's given on the basis of who you are. Sheep are sheep and goats are goats. And you and I are sheep by virtue of the work of Jesus, the work of this king. And so this is very important. You notice the sheep are puzzled. Notice they didn't ask, when did we do these things? They knew they did those things. They ask, when did we see you hungry, thirsty, a stranger, naked, sick, or imprisoned? That's the big question on their mind. And it describes to us their life under the gospel, under the reign of this king. The sheep didn't do these things for the recognition or reward from the king. They didn't do these things out of obligation, but rather their deeds came forth from freedom. They did them because they saw people in need. And it's here where Jesus informs them and uh, foreshadows his own uh, passion. I say to you, as you did it to the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. And see, this is what's happening. The goats, they live their life under the law. Notice Jesus says to the goats, I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and sick. They do nothing. They're inactive to the needs of the others. Yet just like the sheep, puzzled, they ask the same question. When did we see you and not minister to you? That's the implication and that's the point of this parable. The implication being if we had known it was you, then we would have done something about it. And there lies the problem. You know, it's not about doing more to become a sheep. It's about a life lived with grace, a life of freedom. And it's not about doing less as a goat. It's about, that's about life under the law, where we do things only if we're going to get credit for it. And that's the thing, and that's what this is all about. Uh, the question we must look to is, is the cross. 
to the naked, the hungry, the third. Like our answer is always um, found in the cross. To the naked, the hungry, the thirsting, imprisoned stranger, Jesus Christ, who's your shepherd king, your king and savior. And with that question, without a shadow of a doubt, you must remember that you are a sheep because you've been baptized. For those marvelous waters contain a promise. They contain a word from God that's been etched on your forehead and your heart and declares you a sheep. And that is the thing. It's not about being a sheep or being a goat. It's about declaring to your congregation that they are sheep because of the work, enduring work of the king who's done everything for them. So to live their life in generosity and freedom. Yeah. Amen. I mean, there's that's the temptation is to look at this passage and say it's basically saying, be a good little boy or girl and don't be bad. And the good people get the shiny trophy and the bad people go to the dark place. And I hear uh, that uh, yeah. so many times from well-meaning people who are like, what you did for the least of these, my brothers. You know yeah. what I mean? And you're like, no, dude, you missed the point completely. Right. And I think, so this is, you got to... Uh, maybe try to help your congregation if you're preaching this That's, or if you're in the congregation uh, hear that this is like parables are always using really strong black and white uh, exaggerated images to try to make a point. And what Jesus, um, you know, as Jake said, is trying to show is like, who are people? Um, uh, what are we like? Uh, and and what's our relationship to God? And he's, he's um, that's what he's trying to illustrate. Um, and it is, there's a, couple things here that I think also are fascinating and wonderful things that you could explore in a sermon. One is where is Jesus? He's hiding with the poor people. He's hiding with the hungry people. He's hiding with all the people locked up in prison. I think we all often think like, oh, prisoners are terrible. Like we would never go there. We got to lock more bad people up. And it's like, it turns out if you want to find Jesus, he's in the prison. If you want to find Jesus, he's in the homeless shelter. You want to find Jesus, he's he's in the, in the, at the food pantry um, when they get a new delivery in. So, um, Jesus says he is those people, which is a really powerful thing to say, kind of an amazing thing to say. Um, this is where Jesus hides in the world. So I think that's that's a pretty significant statement. Again, as we said earlier, Jesus is not someone who takes things by force, but comes gently and his kingship looks totally different. Like that's another thing that's that's going on here. I think it's also interesting, like the kinds of things that are seen as um, loving actions of the sheep um, that the sheep do versus the actions that the goats don't do. So often we think about morality in terms that are very different from these. We think about uh, how you vote. We think about what kind of movies you watch or um, all those sorts of um, kind of youth group rules about good and bad behavior. And uh, um, I've never seen a pastor have to quit his job because she or he didn't, um, you know, she wasn't going to the food pantry enough or she wasn't going to the prison enough or something like that. Like, but this is the kind of, uh, it's just, it's the moral categories here, just interesting and different from what most people normally think about. Um, people apologize to, me, apologize to me all the time about not going to church enough. They never apologize to me for not going to visit people in prison a lot. So I think it's just interesting. It kind of shakes up our categories of what does love look like enacted in the world. Um, but I think, uh, you know, you're, the, the big thing, though, here to say, Jake, is what you have said, is that um, this story is about what does, if someone has, by God's grace, become a sheep because of what Christ has finished on the cross and through the waters of baptism, someone is free to love and care for those who are down and out. 
And so you do these things without even noticing it. That's why they're sort of surprised. Like, we didn't even know we did this. That's such a surprise. We didn't know we were gathering gold stars. We didn't know there was a test because we knew we're loved. We knew we'd already passed the test. So that's why we did these things um, where the attitude of the sheep or the goats is more like, oh, well, if we, if we had known there was a test, we totally would have done it. It's like they're very much still living under the law. And so it's it's using that strong language to talk about what are the two ways of being in the world. One, where you are loved and therefore you serve and love others. And one where you are not aware of that. And so that kind of makes you turn inward and insular and and um, live a life of kind of fear. Um, so, mm. so yeah, that's how how I would talk about this. Um, and I think I think that does it. We've given you everything you need to preach a humdinger <laughs> yeah. barn burner of a Christ the King Sunday sermon. That's great. Well, go get some turkey, y'all, and uh, we'll see you. We'll see you in Advent. God bless you. Hey, talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production. And remember to keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.